Yeah, bro. So on this podcast, man, I like to make a way better effort than what I did on my previous one. I think I spelt the fucking logo wrong and got the audio all fucked up. So this one, we're going to make a, a better effort. So on this one, we've obviously got my good mate, Geordie. Well, Fitzy is most of his now. Uh, his full name is actually Jordan Fitzgerald. So, what have you been up to, brother? I was thinking, how are you finding the lockdown? How's the kids? Yeah, well, sorry, I'm still fucking watching it. Um, no, lockdown's been good, mate. Lockdown's been good. Kids are getting a bit antsy. The old daughter uh, can be quite high intensity, just like her old man, unfortunately. No, fortunately. And uh, she, she's getting a bit fucking over sitting around the house now, so she's starting to get a bit mischievous, but I actually see quite a lot of myself in her when she's in her little mischievous mode. Yeah, yeah, what about you? Oh, bro, I just fucking die in need of a haircut. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to look like fucking Mick Jagger and bloody lead singer of Green Day. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think me and your voice. We've fucking debated ages about doing podcasts and shit, so yeah, get you on well, board as part of episode two. Yeah, no, stoked. Sweet, bro. So most people obviously see me and you hanging out all the time. Yeah. Um, you obviously had a massive influence when Vanator starting up. And, yeah. Um, but one thing I always fucking, always inspires me, bro, when we, when we have yarns is, is your upbringing. Mm. As obviously you lead to a lot of motivation behind obviously your business, Warfighter Athletic. Yeah. And even before that, going into special forces and stuff like that, bro. Do you want to fill it in? It's pretty raw, you know, yeah. upbringing. Something pretty yeah. Something well, interesting. We did, we did have a good chat about it uh, when we came back from my hunt that time. Um, I remember fucking having a good chat to you about uh, my upbringing. So I guess, yeah, for those who, who don't really know, grew up in uh, Nine Eye Lower Hut. Nine Eye! Um, so the hoods of Nine Eye. But, uh, yeah, so... My upbringing, eh? I do, when I do talk about my upbringing, um, I do like to caveat that it's not some like poor me shit. I just, I do like to talk about my upbringing. Um, and it's just a way to say, you know, like we all go through shit, we all go through hard times, but you don't have to let it define you. So um, for me, growing up, it was a bipolar experience, um, as I said, where, you know, I have some really good memories um, being really competitive with my brother and doing well in sports and sort of some. You know, those sorts of things, that, I think that fucking dog, dogged determination was always there. And me and my brother, we just scrap tooth and nail over to win anything, um, which has led to my competitive side and my competitive nature. But then at the same time, I guess that for us was, it really was our escape or a way to find, I guess, worth. Because at home, you know, and, and, and it's not to shit on the old lady, but we did go through some dark times at home, you know, where the one person in the world who's meant to love you the most is bouncing your fucking head off the walls. Um, and saying things that you you don't expect to come from, I guess, you know, the, the person who is realistically meant to love you more than anything and brought you into this world. But I can't remember what I told you, but, you know, like I've got memories of literally trying to understand my homework. And academically, it's never been my strong point. So even in the military and the army, um, I've had to work really hard for the on the academic side of things and to put put in a shit ton more hours than anyone else just to get the same result. Or if I want to get a better result, you know, I I have to get obsessed with learning the material. So I remember sitting there as a kid, man, just trying to understand this homework, 
and I just couldn't get it. And as a kid alone, you know, like you, you already feel stupid that you don't get it and understand it. And then the old lady's fucking smashing you over the back of the head, calling you a fucking idiot just because you don't understand the homework. And then, you know, you start to feel worthless as such. Through to remember getting ready for school, you know, like if we didn't clean up before, and to be fair, like this, some of the stuff actually did serve me well in a, in a, in a positive light where, you know, once I joined the army, um, I've seen dudes who struggled to clean up after themselves. And I'm like, fucking hell, you are useless. Um, but, you know, for us, you know, if we didn't make our beds, if we didn't like vacuum the house, literally vacuum the house, fucking make our own lunch and then clean all the dishes and all that before school, like we'd go to school, like before the days even started, you know, you've had a fucking slap across the face. Um, and so I remember one morning we're getting ready for school. Um mum and my brother had moved off to Australia at this time because he was a bit, tr- a bit too much for the old lady so he moved off to Aussie to live with the old man and fucking it was just me the old lady and my sister and they had this dog and it was always told like it's not your dog it's our dog and I was like okay cool it's your dog um, and then one morning I was told to clean up its, do- its dog shit which I was cleaning up its dog shit <laughs> yeah. and uh, being the kid um, and as, as kids always do they like to, to let you know and so I let the old lady know that I was cleaning it up um, which then turned into out of nowhere, fucking my head just getting bounced off the walls multiple times and then just getting my head smashed in. And so, you know, you're sitting there, like probably eight, nine years old, your ears are ringing, your world's spinning, like your bell's literally being rung. And you're just sitting there after this fucking violent attack going, what mm-hmm. the fuck is going on here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you go to school and I'm looking at, we went to Eastern Hut School and, you know, there's, what I believed kids who are a little more well to do than us. And I would even just sit there and like fucking look at these kids and think, you know, what's life like for them? Mm. Um, and what privilege do they know? You know, like we're, I fucking, we're, we're coming from nine every single day and some mornings before the days even started, literally, I remember one time just about to get out of the car and to walk into school. And the old lady, she wasn't a morning person. Uh, so she didn't, she didn't appreciate my back chat early in the morning. Um, before I even got out of the car, it was just fucking wham. I just, I can still remember my face just numb and just my same thing, my ears ringing because she smashed me across the side of the face and the, in my ears and my, I'm walking into school trying to hold in tears because I don't want to be crying when I walk into school because that's embarrassing as a kid. Um, at the same time, my fucking face, is, the side of my face is numb because I've just had my fucking face smashed by the old lady. Um, and so, yeah. A lot of stories, I mean, a lot of stories from being blackout drunk at 12 years old to riding around on the back of a motorcycle with no helmet, fucking being at these parties with adults and there's just fucking drunken adults everywhere and kids cutting about and no one's really taking control of the kids. And then, But, you know, I've also got some really good memories where we go off in soccer tournaments and we do well and fucking we have some really cool memories with the other side of our family and whatnot. But yeah, I guess one of the interesting things too is in those circumstances is, you know, a lot of people don't know. Like I always thought everyone in our family knew. Like when we were at these family dinners and that and family and it's all like Brady Bunch shit again, you know, I'm I'm thinking like everyone here knows that we get smashed. Like everyone knows that the old lady old lady beats the fuck out of us. But then as I've grown into an adult and, you know, talked about it, like I've had my auntie looked at me like gobsmacked, like what? Your mum did that? 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you all knew. And she's like, no, we, we, we didn't have any idea that that was happening. And I was like, well, it happened down entire childhood, so yeah. Because <laughs> right, when the, so through all that, man, mm. um, you know, going back to, say, putting myself in, well, I, I come from the extreme opposite. Like my, my parents are fucking amazing. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, the old man was, was hard back in the day, but it was always fair, you know. Yeah. I think that most, most Kiwi blokes growing up, in the 90s and, yeah. and they would always get a you know pretty hard line from their old man which was you know which was fair I think yeah. but you know going from going back to you and saying and how how did that all you know determine the fact that you were going to go into the military well yeah it's a good it's a good it's a, it's a good question so I got, I got to 12 years old and I was at 12 years old I was like enough's enough like I'm you know, we grew up. We grew up real quick, man. You know, like I had a memory of pretty much got dumped at, the, at a mom, one of mum's friends' house mm-hmm. when for like a weekend when I was about ten or eleven years old, um, and it was just fucking piss drinking there. Mum, the old lady was probably off the whole weekend getting pissed herself, um, and throughout the whole weekend, just violence and chaos and all this shit that just fucking happened. And my little sister was there at the time too. And thinking back on it now, and like, man, I've been like 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. Fucking, we start, we're, we're drinking as well. And then the violence ensues, and the police gets called. And I can, I remember uh, police dogs coming and chasing down one of the guys who was, uh, who was at the house. I won't say his name. Um, he's actually a well known criminal down in Lower Hutt now. Um, Black Power member. Um, but, you know, he was chased off by dogs and shit. And you just start, you start having all these, these experiences, eh? And I'm like, Enough is enough. Um, and that's where my brother had already gone off to Australia to live with dad and to live with the old man. And so the opportunity was offered to go live with dad for a bit to see if, I, to see if I'd like it. And uh, I was like, yep, 100% going to go do that. I felt sorry for my sister because uh, we were leaving her behind. But, you know, as a young kid, you don't really – Oh, I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't really think like that. You know, like mm. I was just like, "Fuck! I need to get the shit. I need to get out of here." And so I went off and went to Australia. And then in Australia, you know, like had met some really awesome people, um, made a lot of awesome friends and whatnot. And the old man, he had his his wife and his kids to her, um, and we kind of joined their family and whatnot. And then shit started to go downhill there in Aussie. You know, like it was just one of those things where I thought I escaped what I thought was, you know, one version of hell. Um, don't get me wrong. I just still have really good memories as a kid. Um, but, you know, like at times it was a fucking pretty crazy version of hell. Um, yeah. To then going to this new place in Australia and I was like, wow, this place is epic and the schooling's awesome and they take sports really seriously and um, made lots of cool friends and whatnot. You know, even that was a struggle in itself, moving there and starting again and having no friends and being a loner and um, all that sort of stuff. But when I was there... I really got into the idea of joining the Air Force. That's where, and, and the Army was one of those things at this time because I'm 12, now transitioning, you know, into a teenager. And so you do start to think about, like, what am I going to do with my life? And for me, you know, like, I used to sit there and, oh, fucking, I'm always one of those per- people where, like, if, you know, if I watch, like, a really inspiring video, like, I feel that shit. And so even as a kid, man, like, I'd sit there watching these videos and it could be just a video of, like, my old man would watch the horse racing, like the fucking yeah. like betting on horses, bro. Yeah. 
And they would have these like montages of like horse racing and this jockey and they're telling the jockey story, how he's overcome the odds and whatnot and the, mu- <laughs> and the music and all that. It's just like an horse yeah. racing and betting, yeah. you know. But yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going, wow, oh, I can do that. I remember telling my dad, dad, I'm going to be a jockey. <laughs> and I was just so inspired by the story of one of these jockeys. Yeah. Um, but then the military thing really started to hit for me and I'm, you know, playing army games and watching army movies and yeah. whatnot and seeing these guys get smashed and to go through adversity and to come out, you know, fucking yeah. machines or warriors on the other side. And that really started to resonate. So I started going hard at school and like, to be honest, I was a dumb fuck. Like, mm. I'm a maths retard. And so I looked at actually what it, like, what was required to get into the Australian Air Force. And I was yeah. like, okay, my physics and maths has to be better. Yeah. Um, and so I started getting extra tuition and shit. Um, and then my results came back <laughs> and I fucking still failed this maths class. And that's when I started to realize I was like, I think I'm too dumb for this shit. No, it's quite funny you mentioned that, man, because I had the same experience when I, I think I was, I was in my seventh form year at St. Pat's College in Wellington. Mm. And I was, you know, through and through, I was bred, oh, I just, you know, I think I decided by being about 14 years old that I was going to go to an hour. Like, I was just, just hell bent on it. Yeah. I think I did a, uh, back then they used to run like week long courses where, you know, high school students would go out to Trent, the military camp, and spend a week in the army. And I think I must have been about, I think that must have been about 2005, so I was about 15 years old, and I was like, yeah, I'm dead set, join the Army. So I came to my seventh form year, and I was, you know, by this time, I didn't give a shit about anything that went in terms of university or anything like that. I knew I was going to the Army. Yeah. I was just hell I was like, sweet. As soon as I think, I think the age was 19. You could have to be 19. I think it was about, I think seventh, I can't remember the thing, but there was some clause that you could get through if you, parents. Yeah, your parents came in. Yeah. Because I, I, so I, seventh form, I think mid year, I was playing rugby. Um, only there to play rugby. Mm. So I went and I was like, sweet, I'm going to go have a crack. Parents have signed me off to go join, to join the army. Yeah. I was like, oh, sweet. So I, they, they went in and we spoke about it. And then, so I first thought was like, yeah, I want to be a rifleman. And then mum and dad were like, no, if we're going to sign you off, you have to try for another trade. So I was like, <laughs> okay, right. So I went as an engineer to get a carpentry apprenticeship. Yeah. Like you though, bro. Hopeless of math. <laughs> <laughs> I, went in, yeah. I, went, I think I went in and uh, sat the test in my school uniform, walked in there just all around like, yeah, this is my chance. Sat the maths test. The recruiter comes out and he's like, these are the worst results I've ever seen in my life. Oh, bro. You, can, you need to go back to school. Yeah. I was just like, I was gutted, bro. I, I think I went, fuck, went back to school. <laughs> just because I'd already gone around telling my mates, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to join the army, bro. Like, I'm in, fuck. later, boys, I'm off, and then came back and I'm like, what happened? I like, oh, fair, man. <laughs> I had to finish off my simple year at college. Yeah, I literally think when I came out of the recruiter's office, he's after the artistic, the, the they call it. Um, I think he said, uh, you have the maths of a seven-year-old. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, was, it wasn't until like, I left school, bro, because I... I think yeah. Once you fail, you have to have a stand down. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I think I stood down for um, a couple of years, well, about a year, and then I, I went. I'd started a building. I'd left school two thousand and eight, and started a building apprenticeship. I'd gone to Polytech to start yeah, start building, and then the recession hit back then. Mm. And this was my ticket, bro, because I, I I thought that. My mum, my mum was like, you know, I was still with my parents, and then they were like, um, yeah, get a building apprenticeship, 
And then by the time you're 21, you can join the army. Mm. And I just thought, oh, fuck that. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a builder. But yeah, the, luckily for me, the recession hit, bro. So this was my uh. ticket. I started building with um, this guy. And then I, I was hating it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, prob- in hindsight, it's a magical thing because I probably should have stuck to it. I've been a bit older now. But I remember going up to my mum and mm. saying, oh, I've, I've, the recession's hit. Like, there's no work on. I've been fired. And I didn't get fired. I just quit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, I, I signed up and then I said, you know, at the time, the only jobs going were government jobs. And I was like, oh, can I have another crack at the army as a rifleman? And yes. Then, yeah, went in and obviously you don't, as you know, you don't have to have much qualifications, much qualifications to be a rifleman. So that was my ticket. I ended up going, shipping off the basic training, I think, bloody, yeah, six months later. Good. So that was it. That was mine. Going to, back to you, bro. Um, so you started off that time going into the army like where, where did you start and, and, and how did sort of the path progress yeah so going fast so fast forward yeah so was it Aussie wanted to do the whole Air Force thing too fucking dumb um, and then at that time I decided to come home because for a good year or so had dealt with you know the old man and his schizophrenia yeah so you know like I said it went from one version of hell to the next and the old man started losing his marbles and he was talking to himself and he thought people were after him screaming down the house in the middle of the night all my brothers bomb burst off back to fucking the mums. So, you know, my two little bros went back to their old lady, my big brother, he shot back to New Zealand. And then it was just me and the old man. And fucking at that time, um, I went off and lived with some friends who took me under their wing. And then the old man, he just, he just got to the point of no return where like I was that scared in his company that if I went into my room, I would put my drawers in front of my door so he Mm. couldn't come in. And that's when I came home to New Zealand and the old lady said she had turned her life around and she was doing all this amazing stuff and she was on the path to starting her own business and whatnot and got home and it just wasn't the case, bro. So I went back to school for a year in Capity College. Um, And then at the end of that year, you know, like while I was there, met the missus who I have now, got two kids too. Um, her family were epic, took me in, but at the same time, you know, like I still yearned for, I guess, purpose and mission and adventure and fucking all that shit that you do as a young man. And so I just pivoted from Air Force to Army and just went in and same thing, went and conducted. To be fair, all I did, I did want a combat trade, but to be fair, uh, after I came out of the art testing and told her I had the maths of a seven-year-old, uh, they were my only options, mate. <laughs> mate, believe it or not, you can be a... Uh, a grunt, a gunner, and that is it. <laughs> yeah. No, it was pretty much that was it. It was like, mate, you, you're thick as pig shit. You've got two combat trades. Which one do you want to do? Yeah, man. It's, it's quite – you sort of think um, when guys – recruiters are very uh, persuasive in terms of punching guys into trades that they sound awesome. Like, I remember the guy, Blake, telling me uh, – I mean, for example, like, you know, there's some trades, like artillery. Yeah. No offense any artillery, but they're out there – but you know, when you get told oh, a gunner is an awesome, awesome trade and dropping bombs, dropping bombs, and you know, it's just it's sort of like, uh, oh, yeah, when you get there, like, oh shit. But I suppose it's a lot of, I think, I'm, you know, proud of to say that I served in the army. Same. And yeah, I know, yeah, like like guys like us, and there's so many. It's such a, you know, proud part of your life when you yeah to go serve your country. I think. One thing I, I, I noticed, though, especially in, in the New Zealand Army, and I think we spoke about this on Anzac Day, mm. business chat, was the way it is marketed. Like, the, yeah. Because I remember wanting to join the Army, and I, I went to went to Europe, I think I was about 17, 
18. Mm. And I was in love with like the British Army. I thought yeah. that they, you know, the Royal Marines and the Paris and the, you know, the way that they were, because these guys were kicking in doors in Afghanistan and blowing hinges off. and you know, Ross Kemp series. Yeah, man, Ross Kemp series and all that sort of stuff, bro. Like, and then you can sort of look at the New Zealand Army. Yeah. And I you know, initially I didn't want to join. I just thought it was a bit too, at the time, I think being a 19-year-old, 19-year-old guys want to see doors kicked in, and, yeah. you know, explosive machine guns going. Rolling compounds. Like, yeah, man. Well, I think like the, the other armies kind of, and the Americans and stuff like that sort of punch that out a lot more as opposed to New Zealand. Yeah. So, yeah, what we we – because I know that you ended up – you changed trades. Yeah. And you went to your tank, yeah? And you yeah. Went to, yeah. Yeah. So you went to the Armour and then you went to Afghanistan and then you went over to the UK. Yes. So, yeah, how did – Yeah, so how that really happened for me, eh, was essentially since I got in, like my fucking – Especially after I recruited, I seen the um, – it was when they first – I think 2007, they initially dropped the first SAS documentary, First Among Equals. Yeah. And amongst the selection and cycle phase that they um, showcase in the documentary, they have little snippets of the unit over in Afghanistan. And so for me, it's like – and same thing with you, you know, like mm. you're, seeing, you're seeing all these Yanks over in Iraq at the time, you know, the Iraq invasion in Afghanistan and shit, and you're like, fucking hell. You know, there's all this youth, this YouTube library. You know, and yeah. I'd be watching, I'd be going back and looking at all the, the this YouTube on you, the YouTube footage of these dudes in Iraq and then these dudes in Afghanistan. I'm like, fucking hell, and then, yeah. you know, these Americans just hooking in, these Brits hooking in, and then you know, the first among equal drops, and you see the fucking SAS over in mm. Afghanistan. You're like, fuck yeah, this is what it's all yeah. about. Um, and then you get in, and so like I was just fucking, I was just trade changing until. I thought I was in a trade that was going to get deployed because it was, you know, I was told mm. these guys get deployed, these get, and then my passion really did fall within within the infantry though. Like that mm. that side of the job was always fucking the part that I loved the most. Even as a tanky, I went and did the lav gunners course, and the lav gunners course was fucking awesome. Yeah. Like you're sitting there slaying um, targets with this 25 mil cannon, and it's yeah. just phenomenal. You know, uh, it's a great time. And I, actually, even now. When I think back, like I give mad props to tankies. Mm. I still think to this day and age now, even after being up and soft, that the tankies, you know, probably run some of the best coursing that I've ever been on. Yeah, even now, I still think that like um, the professionalism, the level of information and knowledge you need to retain is actually really high as a tanky. So I did enjoy my time as a tanky and going on the Land Gunners course. Um, but in saying that, after the Lav Gunners course, all I did was infantry stuff. So I went back into the platoon yeah. and just went into the infantry sections and stuff. But for me, I went to Afghanistan and, you know, like there's a few contacts here and there, but like I wasn't in any of them. And we had the IED threats and we went out and we had lots of night operations and we did a lot of stuff that got my heart beating through my fucking mouth. And we there was nights where we thought we were fucking getting bombed. And there was a whole bunch of, you know, sequence of events over there that were exciting, but it's not what you what we mm. were seeing the Yanks were into, you know what I mean? And so it's like we did we did do some really good stuff, you know. Like and as New Zealanders, I think we can come away from our trip to Afghanistan now that I'm older and a bit fucking more mature. We can come away from our Afghanistan trip um, with a sense of pride, even though we have dirty journalists, dirty journalists <laughs> trying to dog us. Wherever they're actually doing good shit. Mm. Like we're dropping humanitarian aid and we're helping with bridges and schools and medical facilities and whatnot. Yeah, it is mixed up with a bit of night patrolling and whatnot. And every now and then, you know, Terry Taliban was coming over from the uh, border province and fucking trying to kill blokes. 
Um, but in saying that, I came back like, mate, we were getting ready uh, seven months later to jump on the hook to leave, and I was pissed, mate. I know there were some blokes who were gagging to get home, but I was pissed. I was like, that wasn't the tour that I thought was, you know, that yeah. I thought was going to come to fruition or what was going to happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's when I was, you know, I spent a lot of time, even in Afghanistan, like would go on these fucking 20 day patrols, going out and fucking living in the same pair of undies for 20 days, 21 days and coming back, shit, shower, shave. Well, we didn't shave. Um, but even then would come back and we'd be watching Ross Kemp and Afghanistan docos in Afghanistan because we're just watching these guys and we're reading all the insums and that coming in. These guys are scrapping in Southern Helmand yeah. and we're just sitting here like you get in coming in and telling saying like, oh, they're gonna come get you, they're fucking, you know, and whatnot, but it never came to fruition. And so when I came home, I was still left wanting, you know. And I gave it six months. I came home and it was just back to situation, no change, and we're out doing these exercises. And I get it now, you know, as I'm older again, and I understand the army a bit more and mandated outputs, you know, that the government specifies upon the army. So we have to meet these outputs um, that are mandated by the government. So we have to raise, train, and sustain the capabilities. But at the same time, as a young bloke, I didn't give a fuck. You know, like I was like, I joined up to go scrap the Taliban to actually do something. Um, and so I'm not going to go to Iru and fight Missourians yeah, and pretend soldiers and pretend armies. And so I looked at the paras as, you know, one, it was a good stepping stone from what I read into the SAS, the 2-2 SAS uh, regiment. And the paras, you watch fucking watch yeah. camp in Afghanistan, yeah. you read the books, paras, scrap. Yeah, they're shock troops. It's what they do. They get in there uh, and they're fucking mongrel. And so that's why I jumped over to the UK. Yeah, man, I think like the, the history behind the paras and the, especially because uh, my, man, I was in love with the Royal Marines. So I thought that, you know, actually going over to, over there and going to like uh, Plymouth and just and just seeing like the history behind what the units are all about, what they've come from, there's just so much. Yeah. And just what, the, how they are. The, the culture's awesome, mate. Fuck yeah, man. Like, and, um, it's and, just, and, and it's, it's, it's not an easy road in, bro. Like, no. I think Royal Marines is like 22 weeks of training. 26, yeah. Or 26 at year at Lindstrom. And, you know, that's fucking hard. Like, it's not no. sort of... It's good. But which makes you wonder now between, you know, what the New Zealand basic training, army basic training sort of stuff is now as yeah. opposed to what, you know, in comparison. Yeah. And then, because, I mean, back when, back when I joined, like, basic training was still pretty hard out. We're still making yeah. bed, bed spaces out in the snow and push-ups and running up, hill, up yeah. and hills. But is, it, is it still the same? Is it... Is it you know, it's, it's always well, has it changed in terms yeah. of PC? Well, I, so, I still think I, I still think in terms of training and development, I actually think the New Zealand Army does do a great job. Yeah. Um, even if you look at our junior NCOs course, like it's a three, it's a three month course. Where yeah, yeah. I know other armies in there. It's, it's you know it can be four, six, eight weeks where yeah. we do three three months to yeah. help somebody turn into a fucking a fantastic junior leader. Yeah. Um, obviously, it also comes down to the individual. But even in saying that. Um, you know, like if you look at us when we come through into yeah. a combat trade, yeah. we we do three months of basic training in Wauru. Yeah, that's we, true. And then yeah. we do three months yeah. core training. So it's still a six month training cycle yeah, before true. you get your red diamond. But in saying that, um, I think there is a lot that can be said both for the US and the UK culture 
where they embrace the culture of being a warfighter, yeah. where New Zealand, within the organisation, within the army, and especially within the regiments and the units, we are strong advocates for warfighters. It's warfighter first or soldier first. Um, but, you know, you just take a look at in, in, in the last year, uh, Australia can be quite similar to us with our marketing and the way we're marketed to our own people, which I think is wrong because it's not correct. Um, America came out with this fantastic series of, I think, about one minute or a couple of minute long YouTube videos, and it was all about warriors wanted. And it's fucking them conducting direct action tasks with helos and missiles and dudes fast roping onto target and dudes engaging targets and like full on fucking Just warfare. Cool shit there. Yeah. You know, as a young bloke, yeah. that's what you want. You, you seek adventure and you seek to actually go and fight the evil in the world. Yet New Zealand and Australia has this fucking love for the political bullshit of putting out uh, tree huggy crap. And then you go into the army um, and you're trained to be a warfighter. Yeah. There's not at one stage um, was I ever trained to be a peacekeeper, but people would, um, and this my, you know, civilian friends and family like, oh, you're a peacekeeper now. And it's like, no, that was one mission, one operation that fucking we did for a period of time. We're not peacekeepers. We're fucking warfighters. I suppose it's not, yeah, that, that is definitely like a government problem because, you know, you, if you look at the guys that we serve or we, we, we were running around with, Everyone wanted to go fight. Everyone wanted to go into combat. Yeah, especially most of the grunts. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of the marketing. Probably could change to, especially at the moment where you know you have unmanned battalions. Yeah, company, you know, retention is is not great. Yeah, man. I think just losing soldiers left, right, and you know, one at the moment. I suppose the average soldier would hang around for one tour. Yeah, gone bigger. If he hasn't got a family and a mortgage, he'll he'll be gone. Yeah, um, but you know, it's still. Even the New Zealand Army in itself has a massive history. I think there's some cool, you know. Massive. You, I mean, you look at the. I mean, you look at the SAS. It's bone chilling, mate. But like, they are, you know, world renowned. They'll, there's some pretty tough blokes up there. Yeah. You know, it's it's and, as you know, especially bro. So from there, so you came. Again. Yeah. Uh, so you went. Yeah, you're in the UK. Yeah. Uh, you came home. Yep. And then, because I, I remember you came back and we caught up and you joined you're in the territorial, isn't it? Yeah, TF 57, yeah. yeah. mighty 57. And then from there, you you know, you completely changed what? Because you actually gone over to the UK with a mate. Yeah. And he stayed. Yeah. He stayed in parody you know, both. Yeah, man. So he was over here. He must have done like five years. Yeah, I think it was four years with two para. Because we both, we were both at um, ITC or the Infantry Training Centre up in Catrick. Yeah. Um, we're, we're at Paradepo there. Um, and then I dislocated my shoulder. I was looking at getting back troop, but it was fucking suck eggs, man. Like, yeah, he had been, you know, sick, it was six or nine months ago-ish, we had just been in Afghanistan. And now we're getting taught how to soldier again at the lowest level, you know. And it was like, I was ready to eat that up. But then once I dislocated my shoulder and that, it just became fucking suck eggs. Um you know, I didn't do well fucking not being able to like take part in everything and do the whole experience. And so I was looking at getting back tripped. Um, and then I called up a ex, another Kiwi bloke who was X1 Battalion and he was serving with, I think, three para. They had just, him and him and his um, other maka, who was a Kiwi bloke, had uh, come back from Afghanistan and I think the final rotation for the paras into Afghanistan was going. And then after that, 
there was no more Afghan rotations. And for me, that was the whole reason I joined was to go join a unit that gets shit done. And mm-hmm. so I was like, negative coach rider. I'm not getting back trooped, starting this entire process again just to go sit in a unit that's not deploying. Yeah, yeah. And so I came home. Yeah, man. Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that very. Yeah. But yeah, so going to that, you came home. And yeah. then, because that's a pretty big, you know, it's a massive undertaking to leave. And I remember the admin nightmare of, move, you know, in terms of moving over. Moving over. Yeah. From going from here and then joining a fucking foreign army. You know, and I know they had a big thing on Commonwealth troops can, or Commonwealth people can join the British yeah. Forces and stuff. But, you know, the admin nightmare of doing that. Um, and then coming to all that time to go into a unit and then just to hear, oh, well, you're not going to go do the thing that you set out to do. Yeah. But then you turn that around and then you came back. Yeah. You came back to New Zealand. Yeah. And it, and it, it was really good to come home, eh? Like, because to be fair, even over the, you know, like, I lived a lifestyle that I didn't normally live. Yeah. And so, don't get me wrong, I actually, got, I was obsessed with training over there. Um, and fucking hell, I used to run some kilometers. It was the fastest I've ever been in my life. Um, in terms of running, but fuck, did we drink? You know, we we would fucking we would send it like, like fucking Friday, Saturday, Sunday sesh. You know, like yeah. we would just we would just absolutely send it. And you know, sometimes you might drink on a midnight. I'd never drunk so much in my life than my year in London. So even mentally speaking, like looking back, it was probably like the worst place I'd been mentally in my entire life. Eh? Because of how much drinking we were doing. Yeah, man. It's, um, no, drinking's just a. I, I, you find now, being back then, I, I remember, you know, being in a, in a rifle company, a rifle battalion, you know, at one battalion in Linton. Yeah. Getting paid on a Thursday. <laughs> and then you would blow probably about, you'd probably get paid about 1200 bucks mm. as a pro, you know, every fortnight. And then, yeah, bugger all. And then you. We'd probably blow about 800 bucks on the weekend. So you'd buy a tight t shirt to impress yes. the ladies, <laughs> impress all the bloody the uni chicks, and you'd spend the rest on beers. And then you'd probably have about, so you'd still have what, roughly what, 10 days ish on about 200 bucks. Yeah. And then you'd obviously have the weekend, the following weekend, where you'd probably spend the rest of your money out drinking. And so it was, a, it was a relentless cycle in the uh, the mess of the drinking culture for young soldiers is yeah. crazy. And I think it still carries on. I, I remember being young, uh, you know, a young private and then watching fucking sergeants for like, you know, 30s and 40s, you know, just still Sending pumping it. out the beers. It's yeah. just like the, the, the culture of drinking is on, on I but you couldn't even say it's testosterone for you because a lot of the chicks in the army drink too. Like, yeah. You know, just, just as big, put away some beers too. So yeah. I think, and, and, and to be fair, I, I, I actually, on the drinking side of the house, I don't think that's an army thing. Mm. I think it is a society thing. Yeah. New Zealand is horrendous at binge drinking. Yeah. Even, you know, like I can remember vividly, like on some nights out, like, we're sitting there, the Aussies are just as fucking bad, and we're out with Aussies and that. <laughs> we're all sitting there getting absolutely wasted. We're getting rinsed, mate. And, and then there's, like, the, the actual fucking Brits and that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, they can sing some piss too, but, like, the people that I remember drinking with one night, you know, they're just having a good night, having a few mm. drinks and having a good time and a dance and a boogie, and we're just sitting there getting fucking ripped, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and so we – 
So, you know, anything that is in the army, to me, it's not, you know, the media will have to say, oh, this is in the army, that's in the army. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. The army is nothing but a, a reflection, a mirror of society. Whatever issues are in society, they are in the army. The army just cops it because we are meant to stand for, which is something that I am fucking very passionate about, as you know, yeah. um, where when we, when we do join the army, we are meant to stand for more. Yeah, bro. I think, like, oh, yeah, you're dead right, because fucking drinking just causes, especially with what you're doing with all fighters, like building a, you know, trying to build a mental headspace with guys in terms of, as you say, like the warrior athlete and that sort of stuff. But drinking is the biggest deterrent of motivation, you know, what are you, it's just, Everything. It's just everything, man. It's just such a even well, like now. It's a depressant. It's a depressant. Wow, it is, man. It's just such. But uh, it just doesn't seem to get through your head. Like you know, you, I know the amount of guys that say it's a classic saying, man. Oh, I'm never drinking again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. back on the beers, and then you just think, you know, you see the guy saying by the, the next weekend who's just completely mm. plastered. Yeah. Or same thing. I, I think it's like it's almost like we have a country of alcoholics. It's yeah. Like, it's well, I would interested, be interested to see the stats because even. Like like now, like as you know, like I don't actually drink that much. Or I don't drink. I don't really drink at all. Like if someone said, "Are you a, are you a drinker?" More often than not, I would say no. Mm. Especially now in my life, because of Warfighter and all the projects I've got going on. I've got two kids, man, and I grew up around fucking alcoholics and shit. Yeah, so yeah. I don't like drinking yeah. um, that much. Don't get me wrong; I can still have a bloody good night out mm. um, with the lads. But at the same time, I don't drink that much. Like to be fair, if someone like like now. I cannot remember the last time I had a drink. Yeah. But even like when I'm watching these hunting videos, bro, you know, like good blokes and there's nothing wrong, you know, like been sitting out there and having a beer. Yeah, man. But I'm watching like some solid New Zealand hunting videos and then mixed throughout it, there's blokes who have gone out into the wilderness. They're getting touch with our fucking primitive roots as humans. They're going back to the raw art of hunting and they're still taking out fucking beers and whiskey, you know, like <laughs> and they're, they're walking the hills and doing this really pure act during the day. And then they're fucking poisoning themselves at night with fucking, you know. And some people might think, oh, it's McKenna. I want some beer, mate. But it's like, how can you not go out into the into the wilderness on a, an adventure and not drink? Yeah. You know, like, I, I just don't understand it. But that's, again, that's why when people say, oh, you know, there's a drinking issue or a drug issue in the army, I'm like, no, it's in society. Yeah, man. Because you can't even watch a New Zealand hunting video without the, the lads having a couple of beers around the fire. Or, you know, I watched one the other night, fantastic hunting video. They went out, conquered some gnarly terrain and, you know, the, the night before they get uplifted, they're sitting there smashing back fucking a uh, few bourbons. Yeah, bro. I'd, I would be lying if I said I wasn't one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, but yeah, I do you know, relate to that. Yeah, yeah, I do relate to that. But then again, I think it's... It's just me. That's yeah, just me, bro. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's one man's opinion. Bro, so we're going to take a... Obviously, me and you, good mates. We met roughly about... So I'm going to take a trip down memory lane, bro. Okay. So, Let's walk. Yeah, it's 2010. So Nice. 2010. Then uh, Jordan Fitzgerald and the men of Whiskey Company, one R and Zero have just returned back oh, oh, oh. from uh, their six month deployment in Afghanistan, and they are met by none other than a group of cherries, plebs, who just these scummy young quivering men, fresh into uh, fresh into the unit, and then up and coming from that is the company skill at arms competition. Yes, yes. So. The veterans have their favourite soldier, none other than Jordan Fitzgerald. <laughs> uh, 
And whilst this was going on, there was a medals parade. So these young, these young men, these quivering young cherries are watching these veterans get their medals from Afghanistan. And then Skilled Arms comes along. Jordan Fitzgerald's a favourite. <laughs> At the end of it, he's defeated by none other than yours truly, Dave Perry. How was that? <laughs> I don't actually remember this. So you have to jog the memory. Oh, mate. No, so, going back, one of the best times to going back in the, in the army was things like skilled arms and stuff like the competitive yeah. nature of it. Yeah, I do. My my funniest memory, man, was we we had the brigade skill at arms, bro, and we done that fucking concourse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bro, the amount of times I crawled under that fucking tunnel, and I just thought to myself, "Your knees are dying." Why did I join the army? You got your like your you know your webbing, your rifle. Yeah, and you know you're trying to crawl, your leopard crawling through these fucking tunnels, your rifle bashing you in the face. Yeah, it's just absolutely horrible. And then you know. I love that shit. Oh, <laughs> people say that. Like, yeah, yeah. But then you're like, you're, oh. and then you go out and hide it. So we, we were going through, and I think we were up against support camp. Yeah. And then, so I was charging up the front, and then, I think me and you were charging up the front, and then we got round to the, you know the bit where you jump onto the rope, and then you swing yourself across, and then you land on that piece of wood, yep. and you got to balance on it. Yep. So me and you had gone over first, and then I'd gone and then we were waiting for the boys. I think you'd sort of carried on, guys were catching up, and then we had one bloke at the end. So I was sort of like waiting, like trying to hurry and throw it. And then yeah. I made the mistake of running back around. Yeah. And then the PDI watching it was like, oi, I can, you know, go over it again. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I'd really fucking done it. But I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. And then I did a run up, and then I went to jump, grabbed the rope, got over the piece of timber, got it, like, went to land and slipped and slipped back. And then I'm pretty like, the PDI was like, yeah, nah, go back, do it again. My fucking memory. I think it was bloody Luke Grill. <laughs> bloody hell, Luke. Yeah, fucking Luke. And then um, I, so I went back and then I was well, obviously a bit gassed because I was doing a big run up and yeah. swing and then And then I missed it again, bro. It was like three or four times. I think I remember this. Three or four times. Starting to get quite annoyed at Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. So all you, boys, all, you boys, all you boys are right up the sort of fin- towards finishing the concourse and I'm like fucking quite gassed. Like, yeah. Trying to get it. And I think I finally get over it, but after that point there, I think there's like five or six obstacles in front. And I'm fucked. Like I'm yeah. actually, you know, I've actually gassed myself out trying to get over all these obstacles and stuff. We get to the end and we so the finishing was to finish the concourse and then run to the range. Yeah, I remember that. And then I remember slowing up the whole fucking team section. I remember it too, and you're but blowing date now. I was so fucked. And then <laughs> it actually felt like when you you know when you're running, like you get the yeah, like you actually can stand, like yeah, yeah, stand yeah, feeling yeah. in your lung. That was that was how I was feeling, and I'm just getting ripped on by a fucking none other than fucking Ronan Tour tagging you in this bloody conversation too. Man. <laughs> so, moral of the story is when you're in the army, our fearless leader, yeah, do not go back and try and do the right thing, bro, because you'll absolutely get ridiculed. Don't even try to do the right yeah, thing, bro. Don't ever try and go back. Don't you know they say, yeah, oh, one yeah, team, yeah. Man, yeah. completely full of shit. It was fucking horrible experience. You are the weakest link. You are the weakest link. And we will let you know. know. We will let you know. And then I was this, you know, this fucking El Piri. Oh, yeah. It was horrible, bro. That was a good time, though. That was a good memory, eh? Yeah, man. And uh, it's, a, it's always interesting going back and talking to people about, like, their perspective. Like, I remember spe- speaking to Phil Reed. Yeah. You know, old uh, NZ Viking. Yeah, man. Um, 
and talking to him, you know, like about fucking back in the day yeah. type scenario. But, uh, you know, I seen Reed, Reedy as this same thing, you know, he's like, we're with this guy, we just came back from Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. Man. But like to me, I was like, you know, Reedy was the, the new guy and he was this, I just remember him being this sub eight minute, 2.4 oh, kilometer oh. runner. So I was like, fucking mad respect. Same thing I remember you and, you know, you and Rory coming, uh, a few of the other lads too. And I was just impressed because you were fucking keen to get amongst it. And, you know, you get these dudes who just came back from Afghanistan. Yeah. But they're too cool to do anything. It's like, mm. fucking get amongst it, lads. Who gives a fuck that you just came back from Afghanistan? Yeah. Get amongst it. And I remember, you know, being in that team and fucking, it was, I think it was, yeah, me, um, Tua and Mitch were the senior guys. And then the rest of the team was all you new guys. Yeah. You know, it was all the young blood. And it was like, no, and everyone else was too fucking, too fucking old school to get involved, you know. Yeah. So now, no, I think that yeah. it's a good time. Good right, memory. That's a fucking good time, man. Yeah, was. And we would have won that competition if it wasn't for fucking. Uh, oh, the map upside down. Yeah, 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 that's public now, brother. Yeah. <laughs> all you hunters who listen on this, mate, uh, be sure to follow. Orientate back to ground. Yeah, Ronan Tour. Um, is he? A, he, he, he was a good team player. He, he, he was the man. But he did fucking. That was so. We were we're doing this night. We'll see. Was night, it nav- night navigation. Yeah, yeah. We we're, we're sent off. Was it sent off? No, mm. sent off first. To get to give to, to give context, all the day events had happened. So we'd been going fucking since you know Asparagus part, doing all yeah. sorts of physical tasks. <laughs> I remember that too. But yeah. Oh, bro. The- this is my memory of it. Yeah. We were sitting there. We were like, we we thought we we're in pole position. We had done really well on a bunch of events. Um, and then we got to the night nav and it was like, right, cool. This is the course of action we're going to take. Ro- uh, you know, Ronan was given the brief and it was like, fucking mint, let's smash it. And so we, I remember we were smashing, eh? We were yeah, smashing along yeah, these tracks kind of checkpoints. Yeah. But I vividly remember during the brief, looking at the map and going, cool, the ocean's going to be on the right side. Yeah, It's going to be on our right over the fucking sand dunes. And I vividly remember the moment where I could hear the ocean and the waves <laughs> crashing. And it was on my left. I was like, <laughs> holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, bro. That was... One hundred and eighty degree <laughs> about... Because <laughs> ah! I, I remember then too, we were in a young fella. Because we were... I think he was trying to work it out. And we were like all... I was lying down on the ground with my feet in a tree trying to get the blood out of my Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feet. I remember that and too, And then trying bro. not to fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, I remember there was a there was one stage there where he just fucking plonked us down and he went running off to the checkpoints on his own. So yeah, he didn't he did make it. But you know, I think there's heaps of what you know because he's still in. He's still yeah. He's going hard, with, especially still you know, avid rifleman. I think he's a testament to some really good blokes who are still yeah still training, uh, keeping it real. Yeah, the old infantry. Yeah, no, I, I still have a fucking huge respect for all the boys down in the, in the battalions and whatnot. Look, fucking solid blokes. Even on my junior NCOs course. Junior command course, you know, some of the guys that I got to, to work with on that course, I was really impressed with. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, the hunger, the enthusiasm, their professionalism. I was like, man, you guys are fucking awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, like, even just like, you know, memory like the funny memories like that and all the barrack stories and the. Oh, brother. Let's not bring up barrack stories. <laughs> barrack stories of. Didn't the, didn't the bloody engineers throw a smoke grenade into one? Oh, there was oh, all brother. sorts of fucking. Oh, we oh, shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans. He shenanigans. Shit, bro. <laughs> Jesus. Sort of revealing the 
in our antics of the New Zealand Army, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, and, and people can sit there, though, and be like, oh, look at the Army, all right, but like, uni students come yeah. on team. Look yeah. at the state of fucking uni students. Sure. And they're the type who become, you know, high society and this and that. But you look at the uni days. I look at uni students and I've been to some fucking uni parties and I'm like, you people are fucking, you are fucking mongrels. Yeah. And they're, you know, the people that's going to become your bloody solicitor or your doctor. Yeah, brother. Well, some of them yeah, might yeah, not. Yeah. They might just get a nice degree and do nothing with it. Wow. That's the other thing too. But even like, yeah, fuck, I just, like you're going back to the high like society in general, man. Everyone between the age of 18, as soon as you're allowed to have a drink to probably, fuck, most days are nearly 30. Yeah. It's all fucking like running amok at some point. Like, you do. It's, and, and you know, you know, I don't fucking sit there too much and judge those guys, you know, because I, I look at some of my nights out. Holy fuck, oh, mate. Dude. Legalists. Literally. Legalists, mate. Couldn't stand. Spewing everywhere. So it's like, you know, it is good to try, you know, give these words of wisdom. But some, you know, people got to go out, live their own life and have their own experiences so that they can grow from it. You can only learn so much from being told. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was, um, yeah, I think my, my mom would probably be up until recently where it's just like had enough of drinking. Yeah. Like, like one thing, the hangovers last for fucking like three or four days now. Oh. Just age. Actual though, eh? Brother, it's fucking, even like, bro, I mean, sometimes having three or four beers, you still yeah. feel it the next day. Huh? Like sometimes, yeah, especially after work, I can't sleep properly. It just takes away and you just feel it. Yeah. So it's almost just not, the only times I have beers now is if I have, I'm not doing anything the next day. Yeah. But, you know, even then it still has, it takes its toll. But yeah. in terms of the big nights, but uh, oh, it's even was like scary to think about. Like, oh, you know, by, you, know <laughs> if you have like some sort of celebration coming up with it's the bro's 30th birthday oh. or a wedding or something like, yeah. oh shit. Like, oh man, this is going to hurt. Yeah. But yeah, resilience is key. Resilience is key for the people that, can go to the go to those sort of sorts of things and not drink. Yeah, it's just slowly starting to become discipline. All good, yeah, man. Yep. So, bro, the other thing too. So, yeah, you, me, and yourself. Aside from aside from drinking, we've gone into getting into hunting. Yeah. So, where do you? you how are you finding? What's your plan in terms of? That? You're going to get full time sort of. Yeah. So hunting sort of structure. I guess it, I guess it is good to. Have a good yarn about hunting since we're on a, a hunting podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess to caveat, fucking you know, to those who listen, like I wouldn't call myself a fucking master hunter, a good hunter, um, or even really a hunter at all. I think I, anyone on that. I think anyone who does is most likely full shit. Yeah, I would call I would call myself an enthusiast, a hunting enthusiast. But um, I guess since getting out of the army and a lot of the adventure. I used to get from, you know, the things we do in the army. Um, you know, I'm kind of leaning more into hunting. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up with, you know, from in a hunting family. I didn't have anyone taking me out. I had friends who, I'd, you know, they'd talk about going out hunting. But I never went as a kid. Um, and then it wasn't really until, like, once I was um, up north um, in Papakura that I had mates who, like, hunting was their absolute passion. And so I bought a fucking tika. And then started sort of asking people to take me out hunting more, you know. So it's kind of, you know, you, I've learned my entire life to hunt humans. And so now I'm, I really want to get good at hunting uh, deer. And what also lures me in is the challenge, the adventure, 
the adversity, the resilience, the character building hunting of hunting uh, tar and chamois in the South mm -hmm. Island. That, fuck, that gets me excited watching those videos. Mm -hmm. So the plan is the plan this year, um, and, and and just going forward as to year is to like really get into hunting because yeah. um, I think it is almost like a lost art if we look at humans and where we come from and that primitiveness. You know, like yeah, right. I look at dudes and they're out hunting. And I think Khan Adams one I've been watching. You know, like I really like the way you know Khan uh, Khan hunts and I like the way it's real hunting. You know, um, and he's out there. He, it's an adventure. It's fucking, you know, there's a bit of challenge involved. But when he's talking about, he's looking at the feed and the vegetation in the area, stuff like that, that's where I want to get to. I want to be able to canvas an area and go, okay, cool, there's a lot of feed here for deer. You know, yeah. where now, like, someone asked me, like, what does a deer eat? I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. Like, <laughs> I'm always, I mean, calm, you know, going back to saying, well, I was made to comment before anyone who calls himself a master hunter yeah. is full of shit. Yeah. But I think, you know, there are obviously, in terms of what we see, there are guys like Khan and, uh, you know, obviously a mutual friend Justin and, and yeah. a few other guys out there who are really educated hunters. And yeah. I think a lot of them are doing a real good job. Right? Like, They're extremely you know, humble. You know, and, you know, you watch Khan, you know, well, you know, I've, Khan's, both of Khan's hero, hero of hunting. Yeah. Each have his own full-time show. But he, you know, it, it, the way he talks is so real as well. Like yeah. He swears. He yeah. walks around in fucking tights. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> good bit of leggings. Yeah. No, no, I think that's what I like about him too is he's, yeah. um, as we've, oh, I don't know, I want to start dogging guys. But <laughs> there's some guys, they call it hunting and they go for a little walk and, you know, I don't know if it's hunting, but, yeah. you know, that's what I like about Khan is like he's very watchable because he is what I just see as like a, a real down-to-earth bloke. Yeah, man who's genuinely passionate about what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and his, and this is something I try to do with Warfighter, or I, I pride myself on with Warfighter, has been really authentic. And I think he is really authentic. Yeah. But it's so, and watching his videos, like you, you want to watch his videos, but then you learn so much from watching his videos too. So yeah, my goal is to, is to become a much better hunter. Yeah, I think that's yeah, definitely, that resonates. Very highly with me as well. Yeah. The only way you can do it though, man, like you can take all the tips in the world, but you should fucking get out of there. Yeah, like, 100%. Well, I believe like, yeah. I learned like you can read, I know a lot of people read books and listen to podcasts and shit like that, but yeah, the amount of time spent just sitting out there watching deer, watching behavior or animal behavior in general. Walking so, shitty ground to find good ground. Yeah, man. That's so I think, like going back to Khan, right? Khan, just like say, really. we're just getting on we're his just pole. Getting, yeah, let's, yeah, get, let's get on Khan's pole. Oh, <laughs> like he said to, I think, because he put up the, um, you know, he put, you know, on the Instagram stories, we ask, ask a question. Something. I loved someone, it. Someone asked a question. I loved it. Asked a question, where were your favourite? How did you find your hunting spots? And he said, exactly, he said, by walking along, something along the lines of by walking through a whole lot of shit hunting spots. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. Getting out there is just such a massive, you know, which of, you know, because through the lockdown, I, I mean, I'm my 30th birthday in the fucking lockdown, but I just decided, <laughs> I was like, you know, I've, by the way, my body is reacting. I was just spent years in the army, so years in the army and getting into drilling and you know, a lot of and keeping training and stuff like that. But there is injuries coming through. There is, oh yeah. You know, so I think in terms of how long you can keep hunting, whether it's 20, 30 years, yeah, I'm going to make sure that those are the best years. Exactly. Ever, like, and I push, you know, push the body to, you know, the hunting. Whether that's, you know, hunting in the Southern Alps. You know, frequently I've got the plan now to hunt fuel in every single year. Yeah, I love that. You know, to I want in. 
Yeah, bro. Yeah. So it's just to use the time. Because I want to be able to sit here, man, and like, you know, 30 years down the track when I'm an old bastard and can't walk and yeah, and tell the stories. Of the have the heads on the walls. Here, bro. Stories, the walls bro. Absolutely. And, man, like, and it's old photos, man. You it's experience as well with yeah, mates, yeah, how you know. It's experience with mates. Brings you closer together. Yeah, bro. It's... It's just such a – it's an exciting time. For, and, and New Zealand hunting community is really welcoming, man. I think pretty, we're really lucky over here too. Yes. Yeah. To be able to walk out of our house, literally drive, you know, what do we drive, like two hours? Two uh, hours. And then fucking we're into it. Like, yeah. Definitely pretty lucky as hunters and Extremely, yeah. So it's, uh, it's it's exciting, bro. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I'm spoiled as well, you know, like for wanting to become a better hunter and, and to wanting to, you know, I guess build the craft – as such, and oh, you know, like I've met you, fucking, well, I know you, um, obviously, um, and then through you, I've met Justin, yeah, and then I've got mates from the army, um, all around who fucking are, you know, pretty decent hunters, um, to you know, mates who have lived in the fucking up in the tops in the South Island hunting tar their whole life. Yeah. So there's a lot of awesome dudes that you can go and hit up, you know, and I find as well with New Zealand hunters too. They're never too big, you know. Like I feel like I could send a message to fucking anyone in the New Zealand hunting community, and they would probably reply. Yeah, man. You know, like even Josh James, you know, good old Kiwi Bushman, I've uh, fucked him a message. He replies, you know. So I think we are really lucky. Yeah. We are maybe, maybe I don't know, um, but maybe some of the Yanks, you know, like you might message the Yanks and you probably get nothing back. Yeah, well, I suppose it too because I think what Josh James is twenty thousand in terms of Instagram would be. Mm. Yeah, I've got 20, 30,000 mark. Fuck knows. But yeah, for, you know, when you're pushing like Cameron Haynes, it's like fucking like, half a million. So yeah. Fucking here we have like probably half a million DMs as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of probably hard for yeah. these guys to get back to. But, you know, that's not, in, you know, it's not completely out of the question. I know that um, Cam Mackay, you know, on a point self, mm. you know, ran first like clothing through Ryan, Ryan Callahan. Right. So there's fucking best blokes off media so mm. I suppose if you can do that then yeah. it's pretty pretty special but I suppose I'm saying Cam's got a pretty you know he's pretty well renowned yeah but even Cam you know like Cam doesn't know me from a bar of soap flick him exactly. a DM yeah, man. and uh, with our new project wanting to get into high performance clothing and uh, Cam was more than happy to pick up the phone so yeah, he's awesome so I bought some gear off Cam support local <laughs> <laughs> those legends at first light definitely got fucking holding down I, mean, I think yeah the gear like I, I said in my last podcast with Ryan was still talking about you know we you know we, we me and you sit here frothing over brands like Kui and oh, First Light Sitka just the passion the those. passion the, 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 the authenticity the fact that they give a fuck about the end user or yeah. the, the entire the entire product that is built around the end user I absolutely love that yeah you know it's so genuine it's so authentic and I think yeah I've taken a lot of inspiration from that yeah a lot of inspiration it's just it's crazy to see we're hunting is going like we yeah. it is already you know pushing into that mm. fucking endurance sport where you know people are worried about fucking how much their gear weighs yeah you know where they you know they're worried about fucking you know how much food they can take which is all because if you think back to your army days you know that's how we rolled exactly right. we were worried about grams man you know like we're like how can we drop weight yeah man any way possible I remember cutting down my fucking toothbrush for a field ex I remember like yeah pulling rat packs apart and taking what you want yeah. fucking off taking the all the wrappers yeah. out because you don't want those extra grams so yeah and, and even speaking to um, the design team the design studio we're looking at for this next clothing project I said to him how crazy is it that I'm wanting to create high performance clothing for my for my customers mm. for my niche in the military fitness realm mm. 
um, in the military lifestyle realm, and I'm looking at hunting. Mm. You know what I mean? I said, back in the day, you would have thought hunting as in like a Swazi. Yeah, man. You know? And then yeah. now you look at Sitka, Kuyu, First Light. Man, the amount of hours I've spent trawling their content, looking at how deep they go on design and development, man, it's amazing. Brother, like the – oh, because we all – yeah, I'll show you. The, yeah, we kicked off the passion too with, with the podcast with Jason Heston. Yeah. We're both massive fans of them. But, yeah, yeah, it's just – it just it seems like a whole other level way, but it'd be interesting to see in terms of the New Zealand brands when if, if they come start coming out with other stuff to yeah like ultralight and that'd yeah. be quite exciting for them. Yeah, because I know well I think the bushwhack from from uh, what Ryan was saying that they you know going to Marino too, so that'd be pretty cool to see New Zealand yeah brand coming up with that. I think. Yeah. Well, if they don't, we will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, right. We'll fight over it, man. So, how long has it been running now? Only a couple of years, really. A couple of years, yeah. So, it started off as a Instagram page? Yes, yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, this could be, can be a, a long story, but uh, I'll, I'll trim it. I'll trim the fat. No, so, yeah. Um, you know, joined at 17 was heading towards 30. I think it might have been about 27, 28. I think about 28, actually. Yeah, I think it was about 28. Um, and looking at my military career and what I was getting from it, and to be honest, I think you find it in most guys in, within the unit and within special operations, and I've seen it around the world and other guys talking like, you start to get to a point in your military career where it's like, for how much I'm giving, what am I getting back in terms of fulfillment, you know? And somewhere along the line, the fulfillment starts to drop off that the job gives you. And for me, especially in New Zealand, where we're watching all our partners go off on fucking and still have a really big role to play in the war on terror um, and New Zealand, not so much. After a few years, you know, every year we meet up with our Five Eyes partners and we're talking, you know, British SAS, Australian SAS, fucking JTF2 up in Canada, um, the uh, guys out at Virginia Beach for the Navy SEALs and then uh, the fucking Delta Force guys. And you're meeting up with these guys every single year and they're out there getting after it. You're like, we, we're just not, we're not taking part on a big scale. And for me, it gets frustrating because I am a person that likes to do shit. You know, if I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to do it. And every year we're talking about it and every year we're doing next to fuck all. Um, but in saying that, man, do we train hard. You know, we give up a lot of time away from family. We train hard, got to travel all over the world, you know, super thankful for that. Spent a lot of time with a lot of, with a lot of fucking awesome dudes. But then also like looking, you know, at, at my daughter, you know, because the idea started to brew of Warfighter Athletic. And so I started to think about my daughter at the time because my son wasn't born yet. And it was like, what's a better example to her? Me going out and creating this brand that has a really positive impact on the world you know, it gets people to fucking want to be better, to fucking unleash their true potential and to, to believe in themselves. You know, these are, these are the messages that I push through Warfighter. And, uh, or going out and shooting some piece of shit in the face, you know, essentially, and in, in, in its rawest form. And it was like, my daughter doesn't care if I go to fucking Syria or Afghanistan or wherever mm. and kick indoors and shoot bad guys. She really, she's never going to give a fuck. You know, that and... As an example to her, you know, like maybe it will inspire her, but I thought this idea that I had for Warfighter probably has a greater chance of inspiring her and teaching her that you know, no matter what 
hand you're dealt. And it's about educating her on my childhood and where I came from and the adversity I suffered with mum and, and through my old man and, you know, like just keep seeming to be the shit sandwich through to like where we are today. Um, and then also as well at the same time, looking at the state of the army and some of the bad culture within the army. And we've got junior NCOs who can't pass a fitness test. You know what I mean? Like It's like, how the fuck are you meant to be a leader? Um, but I'm also empathetic as well. I'm like, you know, culture comes from the top. So we need, you know, something needs to be done about the culture. Even the US is the same. They've got cultural issues around fucking fitness and what I've called the warrior professions where they've got, you know, I think Rory was telling me there was like 40,000 US sailors who couldn't pass a fitness test. Mm-hmm. And I just think to me, man, like, you know, the army has done so much for me and I am truly passionate about it, but it's like, we joined the army to be more, bro. We joined the army to be better. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we do join to fucking go away on operations and whatnot, but you still, you, you, you join to stand for something else. Mm-hmm. Yet somewhere along the way, your shit falls over and you now can't pass a fucking basic fitness test. Yeah. You know, to me, that's a, that's a culture issue. And so your warfighter was really created out of bringing back, I guess that warrior culture that was missing, which is like, it is the, the, the warfighter side. It is the fucking, you know, the calculated violence side, like that side of it as well. Um, as well as the side of like setting big goals believing in yourself, embracing the, the fitness, embracing the warrior athlete side of things. Because it's like, when you put that uniform on, when you put that flag on your shoulder, you're fucking meant to stand for more. So how about, you know, you have some pride in who you are, you have some pride in your fucking country, yeah. and you pass a basic fitness test that a civilian has to pass in order to get in. Yeah. And so it started off as, a, yeah, as, a, uh, as an Instagram page, and it was kind of messaging around that. And then we started with uh, developing the apparel and whatnot. But, you know, over the last couple of years, it, sh- it just has been a real whirlwind of not really knowing anything and yeah. just starting, you know, like I bootstrapped Warfighter off the money that I was making from being a soldier, you know what I mean? So, like, I stopped buying all these things that I used to, like, because I was I used to spend thousands a year yeah. on motocross, yeah. you know, because I got into motocross really late. So I bought a dirt bike and buying gear and boots and helmets and, you know, petrol and, you know, putting fucking gas in the tank to get some laps in and stuff. And so I stopped putting money into that and all my spare money I was pumping into Warfighter. Um, and so, yeah, over the last couple of years, you know, we've built the community up and it is it is really thriving. And the backbone of it is America and New Zealand now that more people know it is New Zealand founded. Um, I still get people asking me if we ship to New Zealand and uh, we're sitting in the warehouse right now in New Zealand. Um and so it is really cool now to, to be able to start transitioning. But it's been so rewarding because, you know, I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't know what a Facebook marketing campaign was. Mm. I didn't know how to um, design and develop and manufacture or produce apparel products. I didn't know how to do any of this shit. And just through, again, the same process of having a goal and a target and just getting obsessed with it. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah, man. It's um, it's definitely an inspirational fucking story man, for people that haven't haven't heard it. You know, especially going from your upbringing to and probably because I you know, I'm running your house all the time. I know your family pretty well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the type of you know, going from your upbringing, to what, yeah. you know, what you said earlier on on this podcast to being how you are with your kids. Yeah. Like, bro, it's just a completely different 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, you're almost like, oh, explain to me. Just so into in love with your kids. It's, it's yeah, you know, it's quite. It's sickening. It's quite the opposite. Fucking awesome, mate. I think. Yeah, yeah. The warfighter community's awesome. You know, we went. You know, we went to the CrossFit Nationals and people were you know, intermingling with that. And then, you know, the amount of guys that even, it actually, fuck, it does piss me off. <laughs> Some guys like messages me on the Venator page. And yeah. Like, hey, bro, how do I get a, like a Warfighter t <laughs> <laughs> Wrong brand, bro. You, you. I can go see that other cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Good. But yeah, it's, and for then, even then, man, like, it's, it's quite funny too, yeah. I think I wore a few tees for you on the on the on the internet and yeah, and then people were. Well, you're a model, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, for those of you don't know, those Dave's those. the model on the website. <laughs> Gorgeous man. And then we, <laughs> so we went to yeah. Even when I go to work, because obviously your ad pops up on Facebook and people see Wolf Athletic, yeah. and they see my tats at work, they're like, "Bro, why, why do I see your tattoos all over Facebook?" <laughs> 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 oh man, it's just you know, my marketing is yeah, relentless. Marketing is, it's, it's, yeah, it's just marketing, bro. Well, I'm just trying to, you know, the thing is, is, is I'm just trying to let New Zealanders know, you know, like yeah. this is here. Yeah. Like this isn't an, 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 another American brand. And when you go to pay for, for shipping, it's, uh, you're not paying $30, you know, yeah. you're paying four bucks or fucking free shipping, depending on what you grab. So do you think too, bro, that, you know, cause obviously there is some brands that you've introduced me to as well, especially like through dark and, yeah. um, and, 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 um, and, and obviously, you've got the big boys in the States like Black Rifle Coffee Company with, you know, a bit of an SCF kind of yeah. thought into it. With, a little flavour. Like, do you think there'll be more and more New Zealand Special Forces blokes emerging, ex mm. emerging into their own brands as they go? Yeah, it is interesting um, because our culture is really different. Mm. So even I, I am kind of the first guy to step out of the mould yeah. of like a lot of guys get out. And then they just kind of disappear into the shadows and go to, mm. but to be fair, it's fucking part of my message, man, is like, don't get out and go backwards. But you know, like there's a lot of guys who do, you know, like yeah. in my opinion, it's just my opinion. There's a lot of guys who do get out, you know, mm. like at once they were a fucking tier one SAS operator. And then it's like, what are they doing now? Nothing. Mm. Yeah. You know, so I kind of am the first guy that's kind of gotten out and wanting to take my experiences to change the lives of others. Cause I know, like I look at the way I look at it is, I, I want to be the role model I never had. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I know there's a, there's heaps of little fitsies out there. There's lots of little fitsies out there, bro, and they they need a role model, you know, because their mum's stoving their fucking head in too. Their mum's telling them that they're dumb and they're thick as pig shit. They need someone to tell them to believe in themselves and to get yeah, after yeah. it. And they need someone to go, look, I was where you are. I know how shit it is. But if you just fucking hold on and you focus on this light at the end of the tunnel, you can get there. So I guess – there will be more guys coming out as they see Warfighter become more successful, you know, like, and I get dudes within the unit, man, you know, like who, who, who literally go out of their way to message me and go, bro, Fitzy, what you're doing is massive. It's fucking awesome to see. But then I also get dudes who, who don't like it, you know, yeah. it's out of the mold. But yeah, for yeah. me, I'm like, I know my why. I know why I'm doing this. I'm not here to fucking self-promote, you know, like I'm the man. I, you know, like I have the mass of a seven-year-old. I'm a fucking retard. You know what I mean? <laughs> but at the same time, I do have real passion for what I'm doing. Yeah, man. Um, and, and, and it is founded upon going back to, to Little Fitzy. Yeah, bro. It's, uh, well, it's, so, it's, it's really relatable to everyone. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, so, leaving it on that, man, mm. how do people 
because I'm sure people are going to listen to this and want to say how fucking probably either inspired among other things they mm. are what you've said. So how do they get a hold of you? And yeah, yeah. so on Instagram on IG uh, at FitzActual uh, or the Warfighter pages uh, at Warfighter underscore Athletic. Yeah, and then obviously it's the same across Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah, man, and just a parting. So I know you're really good at it. I think people can benefit from what you say when you turn in motivation. Mm-hmm. So I want you to give give us a motivational quote, something that you can pass on to someone. Yep. To I just posted it the other day, and I think it's quite um, relevant for your community. Just so you know, this is not rehearsed. It's just uh, really timely that fucking Dave has asked me, um, and we're on a hunting podcast. <laughs> so I posted it just the other day. Um it's a quote from Sir Edmund Hillary. Uh, it is not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. And I think uh, we've spoke about it with Justin. You know, as much as everyone wants to go out and get the, you know, the trophy animal, the trophy stag, it's not, you know, in my opinion, you know, life or the hunt isn't about that. It's about the climb. It's about the journey. And whether it was, you know, my career in the army, my journey into special operations or my journey building warfighter, it's not the fucking... It's not once you get to the top, it's the climb and it's who you climb with. So make sure you enjoy the fucking hunt or the climb and the, everything in between the start and the finish because that is the shit you will remember and take to the grave. Fucking awesome, man. Awesome. Um, well, to the listeners, I hope this this podcast was, I don't know, better than the last one because if I can... Uh, you audio, but yeah, uh, awesome stuff. And we'll catch you later. Chin, chin. Cheers, Dean.